Hello, Charlie people. Welcome to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This here program is about the films of the Walt Disney Company and associated entities and uh, subsidiaries, LLC, uh, and such forth. Uh, I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program with uh, also blogger at DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find this podcast as well as our, our wonderful blogs. With me this evening, we have our fine wonky sluices who bring the film knowledge uh, unlike anyone else you have ever met, known, or ever will know. Uh, first up, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is chomping at the bit tonight, uh, because aside from being a touringplans.com blogger, Chief Technical Officer at com. <laughs> he is also a comic book geek and is really excited to talk about this film. So much, He's barking. He's so excited. Hi, Ryan. I am. And I have something for you. I just wanted to know, did you know that when Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield? If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. Starting early, folks. It's starting early. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yep. Uh, after that, all I can say is uh, thank goodness that we have some females on this here program. Uh, in, in the form of one Miss Brianna Alessio, blogger at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. Uh, there was stuff for the females in this movie, right, Brie? Oh, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> no, but I'm actually the kind of person who is not fully into chick flicks. So any kind of action film with, with any sort of violence, I, I love. I love is, going to see Marvel films. Marvel films make me happy. Is that a six-foot-tall Chris Evans mock-up behind you? I'm just wondering. Can I just say I wish? <laughs> <laughs> The actual Chris Evans would be better. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, you know. And the person who will edit all of this together is uh, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who who deals with the, the comic book geekiness coming from one Todd Perlmutter on, on a daily basis, for which we are all quite grateful. Um, and Miss Cheryl will, will edit this together so that it is pleasing to the ear. How are you tonight, Cheryl? I'm doing well. Tired from boot camp, but doing good. Good. So today we are discussing Captain America, the first Avenger, the newest film from Marvel Studios, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Studios. Uh, the film is actually the last film that will be re- from Marvel Studios that will be released outside of the Walt Disney Pictures banner. Uh, it was released by Paramount from this point forward. Uh, these films will be released as Walt Disney films, beginning with the Avengers next year, May 4th, I believe. Uh, so this is the fifth film uh, released from Marvel Studios. It's not the fifth Marvel Comics adaptation, but since Marvel Studios got their funding to do their own movies, beginning with Iron Man, uh, this is the fifth film released. And it is the last one, as mentioned, before we get to the massive superhero team-up film to end all films known as The Avengers on May 4th, 2012. I'm sure Disney Disney should pay, pay us for like hyping The Avengers movie as much as we have, I think. I think I agree. I wonder where the Hawkeye movie is. That that comes after the Avengers, <laughs> and possibly after Ant Man. <laughs> yes, and oh Doctor Strange as of today. Yes, but that's a whole other story. 
this movie, though, is Captain America, the, the comic book figure who showed up in the 40s and uh, was, was revived in present day back in the 60s and is one of the one of the core members of the Avengers in the comic books to this day. Uh, and it is the story of young Steve Rogers becoming a, a symbol and a hero in uh, World War II. Uh, directed by Joe Johnston, who we uh, discussed in the Rocketeer podcast. He was actually chosen for this film because of his great period work on the Rocketeer, as well as the movie October Sky, which is a vastly underrated film, if you haven't seen that one. Which you could tell uh, from the from the long, the long scene from when they do that song. You could tell that that was... I, I really feel that that was Joe Johnston right there. <laughs> So Cheryl's talking about the USO. Are you talking about the USO scene? Yes. Okay. Um, so Alan Menken wrote a song. What? Wait, who's this guy? We don't, do we know him? Familiar <laughs> <laughs> with his work. Heard of him before. As he's a musical want, genius. As to do, and it's um, it's a during this scene that's the USO tour. This actually pays homage to one of the original covers of Captain America, where uh, Captain America is actually seen. It's a very red, white, and blue, and yellow. They're all four of the original four-color comic book colors. Okay? And um, it is a picture with Captain America punching out Adolf Hitler. And so that's what the whole USO scene in the movie is actually built from that comic cover, because it's, it's all the the it's got all the same colors. The ladies, you know, they built it in USO tour thing, because that was very common to have Ladies like the Rockettes and stuff go on tour. and um, But the punching out of Hitler is taken from that comic book cover. And you see that comic book cover right after that in the movie. You do. Right after that at the newsstand. You sure do. Yep. So uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, this is the, as, as I mentioned, the last of the, the Marvel films. and Or before, before the Avengers opening May 4th, 2012. And it stars Chris Evans the aforementioned Chris Evans as Captain America. So Todd and I will step to the side and just let Brie gush for a few minutes. I have a question on Chris Evans. Sure. Yes. For it. Um, Go. They obviously weren't planning to merge the Fantastic Four with 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 the Avengers at, at, for a crossover because Chris Evans also played Johnny Storm. Right. He did indeed. Okay, so here's the thing. He played Johnny Storm, but this is this is where it gets fun. So... Um, Marvel is not just a single world, right? It's got this whole multiverse concept going on, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the, of the, of the Marvel um, movie characters, a lot of them are taken from the two main universes, which is Earth-616, which is the one that most people are familiar with, okay? And the Ultimate Universe, which is Earth-1610. Now, very recently, some of the um, other material that's been come out has placed all the various movies into their own Earth designations, thus demonstrating that none of these things can cross over because the, the, what they call the Marvel Cinematic Universe, okay, is designation 199999, okay? So that's where, that's where you see the current Thor, the current Hulk, the current Captain America, all of them are in, the, in there. Uh, whereas, for example, the X-Men film series was Earth... 10,005, okay? Thus, it can't cross over because separate universe, okay? The Spider-Man films that starred Tobey Maguire were Earth 96283. Again, so no crossovers, okay? And the Fantastic Four film series was Earth 121698. 
Okay. Thus, none of these movies can have any sort of crossover whatsoever. Okay. I have, can I, I have just another say, answer? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that Ryan and Cheryl, did you notice like the comic book wonky sluice glow in Todd's eyes as he yeah. stated all of those facts? Just saying. He, he is glowing. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of scary. Uh, I have little. another answer for that question though. Just uh, know. Marvel sold the rights to the Fantastic Four to another studio, so they don't actually have the rights to it right now. Same with Spider-Man, same with the X-Men. So they couldn't cross over the Avengers and the Fantastic Four even if they wanted to. Right. And when That's they a non-geeky answer. Yeah. Right. Well, when you say sold the rights, it's just the movie rights. They actually own the characters, so they're actually yeah. allowed to say that these movies can't, can't overlap. And in their own parlance, this is how they define it. Yes. But if they, but Marvel Studios is what I mean. Marvel Studios cannot make a movie with the Fantastic Four in it for like fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. So that's for the foreseeable future. They can't do that. So. Uh, all right. So Chris Evans, the the choice as Captain America, uh, as mentioned, Bree. <laughs> your thoughts? Um. Um. Yeah. So they made the right choice. Um. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate? <laughs> no, seriously. He was a very good actor. Um, I think he did an excellent job in this. And I was reading an, on IMDb that he said something to the effect of, even if this wasn't the comic book character, if it was just Steve Rogers himself, he would have chosen this role anyway. Be, because I think of the whole you know bully, anti-bully image. And it's so prevalent in America today, the anti-bullying petition that's going around and everything so yeah yeah i have to say i was skeptical for sure when i heard that he was cast as captain america because yeah. it, it's it's a hard role right um you have to be the you know you have to be like Bree saying the the underdog who's getting bullied but who wants to do the right thing but you also have to morph into the you know inspirational leader I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if you think about it from a business point of view, Marvel's got to set this up so that this guy is the leader of Thor and Iron Man, who we've seen are bombastic personalities in their own movie. And there has to be a reason why those guys would follow him in the Avengers movie. So he's got to take that whole journey from the beginning of this film to the end of this film. Mm -hmm. And that's not easy to pull off. Uh, but I thought he did it with flying colors. Yeah, so uh, originally they were supposed to have more... Um super heroic adventure like other superheroes in the movie that was the original original screenplay going back to 2000 or 1900 or whatever it was and uh they actually rewrote it to just be the first half of that original film as the entire film along the way because they felt that exactly that reason they felt that they couldn't they weren't giving enough screen time to that transition and again they yeah. felt that the transition was the most important thing about the movie yep mm. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, they, um, the, the, the original screenwriters uh, who, who, who wrote the script uh, were forced uh, – it's Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. They then had to let Joss Whedon, who is the director of the Avengers film, come in and take a pass at the script for, the, for this film, not only in order to make it work with the Avengers movie, but – for that reason too, he needed he needed a certain he needed Cap in a certain place, character from a character development standpoint, mm -hmm. to open the Avengers, and so he went in and kind of tweaked 
the characters' motivations and dialogues a little bit too. Also, to Joss, Joss Whedon is in charge of the universe. Yes. From, so he he has to make sure that all the movies fit together like puzzle pieces to make the whole. So um, and we'll talk. I want to get more into the movie before we start talking about how the movies actually all fit together because there's a lot of things that people probably missed. Yeah. There's a huge there's a huge timeline out there, and we can put it in the show notes that somebody put together before uh, Captain America and Thor came out, uh, and it's been updated since those movies. That talks about how the five movies fit together, and what the one that people overlook, by the way, is the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk. That was a Marvel Studios movie as well, and so that mm-hmm. fits in with the big Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. uh, along with Iron Man, Iron Man Two, and Thor. So. Um, Along with Captain America, those are the movies that you got to watch before the Avengers. So uh, start start getting your Netflix queue ready. Actually, Ooh. I don't think you have to watch the Hulk because they re- they're recasting Edward Norton. They've recast. They, he's been recast in every version of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> so. but, but I wouldn't. I, that's why I wouldn't bother watching it. I mean, well, it's recast, but they're it's they're recasting the character, but it's the same character. It's yeah. kind of like they they pulled a Darren from I Dream of Genie. Yeah, I mean they did that. In, so they did that in Iron Man also with um, with Rhodey, right? The the yeah. actor didn't come back, so they changed the actor. Same character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's some definite connections between that movie and this one um, that we can talk about later. But yep. uh, the, So the the basic outline of the plot for this movie is uh, Steve Rogers, who we see we're introduced to as a a ninety pound weakling. Um, is you know wants to join the army and he wants to fight in world war ii he has this very profound sense of duty that he needs to be overseas and he keeps getting turned down because he is a 98 pound weakling and uh the the job that they do with the cg to make uh chris evans who is Bree's dream boat uh into this 98 pound weakling uh is pretty amazing yeah they they shot every every scene that you see with him in it was shot five times, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I think it's five. It's it's so they they acted out with him as Chris Evans in the scene, right? But what they do is when he was acting out as himself, they'd actually paint eyeballs onto his chin, so that the actors, all the actors acting with him, were told to look at the eye, the fake eyeballs on his chin, not his real eyeballs, so that it looked so that they'd be looking at the correct height during the movie and other times yeah. and other times they'd shoot him where shoot where they were on catwalks or um so literal literal soap boxes <laughs> or crates um, at <laughs> times to make them seem much taller than him um then they'd shoot the scene without him in it okay then they'd shoot the scene with him kneeling sometimes <laughs> Okay, yeah. and it's just so, and it's it's amazing the the effort that they went, and so, and then they'd also shoot it without him in there. Okay, their their the primary goal was to do use the ones where he wasn't actually in there. Okay, because mm-hmm. what they were doing was uh, a few years ago there was a movie with called uh, Benjamin Button. Yes, they mm-hmm. did the the same thing. Is they they take um the char- they take the character and they take his um, filming, and they digitize it and they uh. They literally shrink down portions of who he is and everything like that to make him um, be um, smaller and thinner and much lighter that an, in frame. That was an excellent film, by the way. Yes, it was. Nominated for several Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. So put that one in your I Netflix I believe it's um, rated R, so only put it in your queue if you're appropriately aged. Exactly. 
Yes, indeed. Watching out for us, Cheryl. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the. Yeah, so the next part of the movie is, is is Steve trying to get into into the army, and he he grabs the attention. The fact that he is so persistent gets the attention of Doctor Abraham Doctor Abraham Erskine, who's played by the magnificent Stanley Tucci, Woo-hoo! Uh, who did fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah I cannot. He's amazing in everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Have you? How long? How many movies has this guy been in where he just kind of steals the show? Um, An incredible amount. Many, yeah, yeah. What's What's <laughs> funny about him is that he can go from this character to a murderer in The Lovely Bones, to Meryl Streep's assistant in The Devil Wears Prada, and you know he does magnificent in every role. I, I actually, I mean, I knew it was him going in, but I could not believe it was him because he looked so. The, the makeup and the work yeah. and his he's he's slouching his shoulders differently I mean he's like he's one of those people who just completely transforms himself to just be in a role and it's just fantastic yeah I mean the casting of the cat we've, we've talked about Evans and him the casting overall in this movie was spot on I mean perfect in every role that I can think of um, but but Erskine gets the attention Erskine puts Steve into this top secret research project where they're going to pick somebody to be injected with his formula, which will turn them into a super soldier. And what turns out is similar to the way that it happens in the comics, which I'm sure Todd will enlighten us on. Uh, Steve is the one who is selected and is injected with the formula and, and gets this these superpowers. But it, and he's intended to be the first of a new breed of super soldier. If you've seen the uh, the trailer, you hear Tommy Lee Jones say that that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but what happens is, just as in the comics, Doctor Erskine is killed by a saboteur, who that means that they can no longer produce the formula that turned him into Captain America, um, and and that kind of that's where things kind of diverge a good bit from from the original stories of Captain America. So the process to turn him Steve Rogers, the meek and meek and mild mannered, wants to be a um, you know a wants to be a hero. He doesn't want to be a superhero. That's an important thing because there's no concept of superheroes before him in this universe. Well, there is, but not. it's undefined in the Marvel Cinematic Universe yet whether there's anyone before him. Okay, In terms of actual right. comic books, there are people before him. So the concept of giving injections to Steve, um, it, that's pretty modern. We're used to injections and these days injections are getting much, much more advanced where they can actually do things like we have things like gene therapy today and stuff like that. So that's actually kind of sort of semi-believable. Oh, I wonder what hospital does that. Oh, are you talking about your Hadassah hospital? Yes. Where, where, where it might seem hokey is this concept of Vita Rays. Okay? But here's the thing. The Vita Rays were the original story. They weren't made up for the the movie they were the concept was give him an injection granted it wasn't like a machine that did the injections like it did in the movie in the original comic book it was just like a big you know needle that went into his arm and then they then they bathed him in vita rays in the in the comic books originally this is much this it all happens together at once in a in a machine environment and it's kind of it's cool it's part again what we were talking about where Josh Whedon is trying to um stitch the universe together to keep it coherent, okay, and um, and that's very important because Howard Stark wasn't really originally a part of 
the actual uni- the actual story. He comes in for this for this universe. He's not even. I don't even think he's there in Ultimates, is he? No. Yeah, he's not. Okay. And um, I, I'm trying to remember. It's been a little while since I've. Um, so it's it's just very neat. It's and what you get what you get is what happens in the comic books. He's a mile. He's a thin, nothing, frail guy. Okay. Um, you know, there are some things that change, you know, if you look over his original dossier versus the things that all his parents has and he has and stuff like that. But he comes out completely changed. And then his life just keeps changing from there. Yeah, and that's what we saw in the trailers. If you saw any of the trailers leading into the movie, you saw, you know, we had the, the scrawny little Chris Evans going in a machine and then we have the buff, dreamy Chris Evans coming out of it. Uh, and that's that's what happened in the uh in the movie so and but the the cool thing is that the trailers whereas we've talked about like in cars 2 and some of the other movies we reviewed the trailers kind of gave away the farm like that's all you got from the trailers you just got glimpses of the next hour and a half of the movie uh which i thought was great because that's all you needed to know was here's this guy who goes from the 90 pound weakling to you know the superhero and then you're off to the races yep um yeah, so but the, where it takes a, a kind of divergence, we talked about Howard Stark uh, being in the movie, which is so cool because Dominic Cooper plays Howard Stark, and they do a great scene of him at the World's Fair, uh, which is you know him being exactly like Tony Stark in Iron Man Two, uh, you mm-hmm. know, on stage with the dancing girls and everything. I think it was just you know a perfect way to kind of link the universe together without yep. going out of your way to do it. Yeah, it's it's also there. There also um, there's a couple things that go on at the World's Fair that are actually referencing things uh, in Captain America, in Shield, and oh, okay. such like that. Oh, oh, oh. yes, go oh, for it. Okay, okay. So one of the notes I made, which fascinated me, was in the scene with the World's Fair. There's a mannequin in a red jumpsuit under a glass dome. Mm-hmm. That is a reference to the original Human Torch, yes. the first superhero created by Timely Comics in October of 1939, which eventually became Marvel Comics. And this hit me, too, because 1939 was such an incredible year for films. So to put that on top of the introduction of the Human Torch, which obviously introduced all the other comic book characters, I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, so the the original Human Torch is an android, and so you'll notice the tube actually says above it, Synthetic Man. Uh, mm-hmm. He is he, And it's not on fire, right? But you know it's not the yet. Human Torch, right? <laughs> so um, the, the thing is, is, is the, there's a flaw in the android that they actually don't show you, and this isn't from comic books, so that if, he, if his body touches air, he bursts into flame. So he's mm-hmm. actually like a vacuum tube there in the, in the, sh- in the show. Uh, the other nifty thing is um, when S.H.I.E.L.D. is first modernized, uh, when you first see Nick Fury in the 70s in comic books, okay, and S.H.I.E.L.D. gets this very modern front put onto it, one of the very first things you get is these flying cars that they, that they go around. And Nick Fury has this car. It looks like a normal car, except the wheels fold up and it flies around. And so the, so the flying cars are um, – it's, it's – so it's paying homage to that original thing, and in the comic books of the 70s, Tony Stark is actually the one who invents the flying cars. So it's kind of nice to have it, but we haven't seen them in a very long time. S.H.I.E.L.D. hasn't used those pretty much since the early 80s in comic books. And so it was very nice to see Howard Stark being the one getting the credit for that in the, mar- in the cinematic universe, I thought. Yeah. 
Um, no, it's it's very cool. I mean, the whole the whole movie. I thought, um, and I'm assuming this is Joss Whedon's influence. And if it's not, I will I will be you know glad to correct myself if you know the filmmakers want to come on the show and correct us. <laughs> Uh, the whole movie ties together the, the universe in a seamless way versus the way that Iron Man 2 kind of shoehorned in some things. Right. You know, like, hey, let's throw in the Black Widow, let's throw in this here or there. This was very seamless in that you could watch this movie by itself and not know that the other movies existed, and it would be okay. Yes, definitely. And yet there's, again, there's just so much that it pays such, plays such exciting stuff to. So, but where where it takes a sort of a detour, uh, and, and Cheryl mentioned this with the USO uh, tour, is that right after the the saboteur uh, kills Doctor Erskine, Steve goes and chases him down, gets his picture in the paper for you know being being a superhero basically, uh, but he's a mystery man, nobody knows who he is, and rather than have him go and serve in the war as he did in the original comics, uh, the senator who has sponsored this super secret research program decides that he would be better used doing basically USO tours and going on tour as Captain America. And they make the original Captain America uniform like you would find in the comic books and they put it on him, which I thought was really clever, right? Because obviously the, the, the costume doesn't work the same way on film as it does in a comic. And I think they made it uh, a real good choice to show that uh, kind of in this in this scene a little bit. Yeah, he did have a choice though. Let's not wait, let's not let's not forget he did have a choice. Yeah, go go be in a lab. Yeah, go or, be in a lab. Or, or go 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 on tour. Because Tommy Lee Jones was 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 sending him to that lab. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, who plays Colonel Phillips, who's at the head of the program, uh, who basically plays Tommy Lee Jones in every movie he's ever been in. Yes, but that's what the role was. Yes. So let's talk about it for a second. Now, in, in this, in the movie, right, Dr. Erskine is the one who scouts uh, Steve Rogers, right? In the comic book, it was originally Colonel Phillips who does it, right? right? Who, who finds Steve Rogers, who recruits him, who brings him into the program, and uh, has him join the program as the, as the first super soldier, okay? So it, it's kind of an interesting twist on the roles because they, sh- they shuffle some of the little pieces around, but the story plays really nicely. Yeah. I don't yes. know, Bree, what did you think of Mr. Tommy Lee Jones? I think he did an excellent job. He, he does a good job portraying that gruff exterior with kind of a soft shell inside. And again, you know, I mean, I, I find a lot of his roles to be similar, but each role that he portrays is excellent. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like I said, he even though he's doing Tommy Lee Jones, basically being the you know, like this role to me was very similar to his role in Men in Black, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, saw, I saw more of the Fugitive. Yeah, that was the other one I was going to mention is the Fugitive. Yeah, well, when he when he does that thing where he doesn't look at uh, at people directly, but he still he still got that tone with them. Yes, like when he's sitting in the in the tents at the one o seventh. Uh, brigades, yeah. uh, army set. I don't know, tents Their and stuff. Encampment. 
camping. Yes. Thank yeah. you. That's the magic word. That works. Um, there we go. But you know what? One of my favorite <laughs> scenes was it happens. It happens during the training before they turn him into Captain America, and that's the when they're scene. when they're at the back. No, not even the flag thing. When oh, they're at the really? back of the truck talking to each other, and he goes, "He goes, you know, when you brought a yes. ninety-eight pound weakling into my into my army base, I figured I would just entertain you, you and go with it, but I didn't think you'd actually end up picking him." In that that whole that whole conversation they have, and then he throws the grenade, and everybody runs, and Steve jumps on it, and he goes, "He's still skinny." Yes, yes. <laughs> that was great. Great delivery of that line. Yeah, uh, he, he oh. is the comic relief in the movie, which you don't expect, right? Tommy Lee Jones isn't supposed to be the comic relief, but he is because the most of the movie is pretty serious. Yes, but it still yeah. manages to take a light tone because you know he he kind of interjects that humor into it. So we get we get that whole USO sequence with the Alan Menken song, um, which again Tommy Lee Jones makes a great joke about at the end of that sequence. Uh, but it's the Alan Menken song, David Zippel lyrics. It's called "The Star Spangled Man," and it's going on and on about how Captain America he's the Star Spangled Man with a plan, and he ends up at the encampment that Todd just mentioned, where uh, he finds out that one of the 107th Regiment, which is the the, uh, the or infantry rather. Which is the in, the uh, division that his friend James Buchanan Barnes, Bucky Barnes, was in, uh, has been captured, and he goes to Colonel Phillips to inquire about what's going on, or you know, is there a rescue mission or anything like that? And that's uh, a line that's been quoted often in my house since then, uh, where he says, "Oh, look, it's the Star Spangled Man with a plan. What's your plan today?" <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> By the way, quick quick note here. Um, Sebastian Stan, who played Bucky Barnes, was originally yep. um, asked to play Captain America. I'm not sure if he denied the role or if they decided to go with Chris Evans. I'm not sure what happened there. I, I, I think they decided that he wasn't the right height. I think okay. they wanted Captain America to appear bigger because he's going to be going up against... Again, it makes it more believable to have a taller person playing against, playing against Thor, for example. Right, right. <laughs> the Hulk. <laughs> the Hulk. The Iron Hulk. Man. Iron Man, right. These are these are going to be tall characters. Each one of those is like seven feet tall, technically, in comic books. Hulk, right. eight and a half, nine feet tall. So right. you have to have a big guy standing with them. So Yeah, true. But this is, this is the point at which, it, it, in the movie, at which Steve Rogers starts becoming Captain America because... Um, one of the people who had been shepherding him uh, through the early stages of this is Peggy Carter, who is played by Haley Atwell, uh, and she is there at the at the at the army base. And after Tommy Lee Jones decide, says, you know, we're not going to rescue these people. It's you know, they're they're casualties of war. Basically, he decides that since he is this quote unquote super soldier, he's going to go rescue them by himself. And it's Peggy Carter and Howard Stark who help him. Uh, they drop him into that zone, and he goes and rescues everyone from uh, and brings them back into the base, uh, which is the kind of the big stirring moment of the film when they march back into the base uh, from from rescuing everyone. He rescues Bucky, and he rescues the the other soldiers who were there who aren't actually named in the movie, mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure we can get extra geeky and start talking about who they act who they are. Wait before before we get extra geeky, I want to talk about the fondue. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I love so, so, how they use fondue <laughs> to to do what Disney always has done is do a joke a little bit over the kids' heads. Yes, a little double entendre with the fondue. So I, I'll let Bree explain that one since since uh, <laughs> you guys 
liked it so much. Yeah. No, Cheryl, you brought it up. You explain, please. Okay, well, what fondue is, is uh, basically it's, well, it can be cheese and vegetables. It can be um, chocolate and fruit. And you kind of dip your fruit in chocolate or you dip your cheese. I don't know. Your I bread have, the cheese, in, yeah. I mean, I'm not much of a cheese eater. I can't. I could only do it with dark chocolate nowadays, so <laughs> I miss fondue. <laughs> Fondue's very good. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Go melt if you're looking. Go melting pot or Colorado. If you're looking to go for yes. fondue, those are two great yeah. places you can go. <laughs> melting pot is amazing. Ugh. Well, Colorado, so how Colorado is... is excellent too. If you've been, if you've been Colorado, yeah, it's just as good. And next on uh, Talking Food. <laughs> so, Bree, how is this used in the movie? What was it brought up on the helicopter, right? On the, on the plane, yeah. On the plane. Uh, on the, yeah, when um, Stark asks Miss Carter if she would like to go for some fondue after they, they land. And he goes, I forgot the way Rogers worded it now. He goes, oh, so are you fondueing with... Him or he said something so, to that effect. So it, it, yeah. it's playing into the fact yeah. that he is naive and inexperienced in the ways of women. Okay. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and he admits this several times throughout the movie. He's not been with a girl. He's not. Da- they allude to it as dancing at one point, and you know that they 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 keep on the adult side of the jokes. And again, if your kids are getting this, folks, it's your fault, not ours. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> the, so what's going on is uh, he thinks that they're talking about going to have a, a night in a hotel together somewhere. Or a date. Or a date, okay. And, um, they're, what, and really, he's just asking her to dinner. But Steve yes. Rogers does not understand this because he doesn't understand it, period. Right. It, it's, it's a great little, like, like Cheryl said, it's a great way to, to use it as, as to not only play above the kid's head, but to play above Steve's head. And it, it, it really, really works well, um, especially, you know, later in the movie, they bring it back again uh, it, 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 for, for a good laugh. But we talked about the, the fact that Steve rescues the, the, the soldiers from, uh, from, uh, from being captured. And we, but we haven't talked about Hugo Weaving, who is the villain of, of the piece. Uh, he, he plays the Red Skull. Uh, who He's only named the Red Skull in one scene Correct. in the movie. So for the most part, they refer to him as Johann Schmidt, who is the name of the Red Skull. Uh, and he is basically, doc- in the movie, he's Dr. Erskine's failed first experiment. Uh, because he stole the serum from Dr. Erskine when Dr. Erskine was in Germany, injected himself, and that's what turned him into the Red Skull. It wasn't uh, a complete formula yet. Right. Can and, I just say how I screamed with fright in the theater when he took his face off? Because I was not <laughs> expecting that. So, well, the face was a mess. So, so okay, it's, it's actually playing homage to the original comic book. So, originally... It was not until much more recently that we found out Red Skull's real name in comic books. Originally, you never knew what his real name was. He was just the Red Skull. And he wore a mask that was a Red Skull. He was actually an unchanged person underneath. He was just the head of Hitler's um, terrorist squad. Okay? And he did, was not the leader of Hydra, which I'll get to in, in comic books. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, and so it wasn't until years later after... 
Captain America ends up in suspended animation as he does at the end of the movie, which we'll get to. The Red Skull in comic books also ends up in suspended animation. It's not until after he wakes back up that he ends up with the actual face that, like, it is in the movie. Right. But it just works better in the movie. Oh, no, it's fantastic say. in the movie. But that's, <laughs> but that's why he's got the fake human, head on, human mask on, because it's paying homage to the fact that everybody always wanted to know what was under the Red Skull's mask. That was one of the things that they play into. So yep. it's just it's clever use. But, but speaking of how they, how they tie the movies together, so the opening scene of the, of the movie, after we, we have the, the kind of present-day scene of them finding Captain America in the ice, uh, we have uh, Johann Schmidt in the 40s invading Norway to capture this artifact. It's Tonsberg, Norway. There you go. Okay. Uh, and he's, but they're going to capture this artifact, this <laughs> mystical artifact, which is something the Nazis actually tried to do. They, mm-hmm. This was, this is from history. They, you know, uh, he makes a reference to it as a matter of fact, and he says, you know, Hitler's off digging in the desert. Hitler was off digging in the desert looking yes. for occult artifacts. But that's actually a Raiders of the Lost Ark reference because Joe Johnston was one of the visual director, arts directors on Raiders of the Lost Ark, so he's actually referencing his prior work there because Raiders of the Lost Ark, they're digging in the desert for the Lost Ark of the Covenant. Yes. And it's same time period. Which, which, which it's kind of a world within a world, right? Because that actually happened. Yes, it did. <laughs> Which is kind of scary. I liked how they did Yggdrasil. I, and I literally liked how they did that little reference, that little nod. It's more than that. So in, if you remember in the flashback scenes in Thor, okay, there's a town where, at, where Odin comes to Earth and fights the Frost Giants and kicks the Frost Giants off Midgard, okay? That place where, where that battle takes place is Tonsberg, Norway. So it's actually the same exact city that they show in Thor. Yep. Okay. And, and the artifact that they, that they are going for is? Is. Well, in the movie, it's never actually called by its actual name, right? But this is the Cosmic Cube. We saw it at the very end tra- trailer or poster, or whatever you call that thing that they do at the, the end post, of these movies. The postscript to oh, the Thor postscript, that's yeah. good. They, uh, they show the Cosmic Cube, uh, and Nick Fury's turning it over to um, the Doctor from that movie, who is maybe, maybe not possessed by Loki. We're still unclear on that point. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find out in the Avengers opening sure, May 4th, 2012. Yes. Pasty white people! Go pasty white people. Alright. Yeah. Right. And, um... So... What's going? This is the cosmic cube, like we said. This is a reality-altering mechanism. Okay, in the movie for Captain America, it's only ever referred to as the Tesseract or the Tesseract of the Gods. And if you remember back to Thor, it was we referenced that there's an open space in Odin's vault where something is missing. This yep. is the item that's missing from the vault. It was hidden on Earth by Odin for unknown reason. Okay. okay, we're not sure if Odin planned this or what, and I'm sure we're going to find out at some point. In the, in the Avengers opening May 4th, 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to keep plugging it. Yes. It needs to be a huge success so we get more movies like this, because I'll spoil my review at the end. I love this movie. Right. Um, so, yeah, and so from that point forward, when uh, that sets up the, the division, the, the, basically the main conflict in the movie is between... You know, the Red Skull, who was the failed 
experiment and Captain America, the successful experiment. Two sides of the same coin, good versus evil, you know, dogs and cats living together, that sort of thing. Uh, but the whole rest of the movie is about establishing Cap as the leader of this group of people that he rescued. So the guys that he rescued become his team, and they start hunting down the Red Skull and his organization, which is known as in, in the movie is Hydra, uh, which again has ties back to the comic book that I'm sure Todd will will enlighten us upon. Um, and it, it's about building that you know that sort of chase between Captain America and the Red Skull to build to the climax of the movie. Right. So it, it's important to know that, that this is what Captain America is all about. Uh, there's there's a joke about Captain America is at least twice a year the Red Skull would go and get a cosmic cube of some sort and attack Captain America with it and lose even though he had cosmic power to Captain America who's just a guy from Brooklyn. Yes, that's the whole point of Captain it's America all is the shield. But you know, it's all. I think it's all the shield. I think that vibranium stuff. Way to go. Dangerous stuff. But that's that's what he's all about, right? Is 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 Captain America overcomes all the odds because of his indomitable will. I mean that's and that's the point they tried to get across in the movie is that, you know, he he takes over and, you know, uh, he he can win no matter what because he keeps going and keeps trying. I mean they make the point several, several times throughout the movie, not beating you over the head with it, but just demonstrating it uh, through his actions. Uh, which I think is the the great Thing about this movie is that it's not it, it's it's rather quickly paced there's lots of action but the character work is they do a great job of revealing character through action so we get to you know there's not an explicit love story i wouldn't say between cap and peggy carter mm-hmm. well there may there well we don't know that but i am saying this i looked in the credits for the avengers 2 and there's another agent carter yeah, so, um, shall we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not? Why Let's go not? down the rabbit hole. Okay, we're going down, folks. Here we go. Okay, so, this is, this is Peggy Carter, okay, who was, the, who was in the original <coughs> Captain America, the girlfriend, the one he was in love with. It lasted a little bit longer than it did in the movie, okay, in comic books. But in the, in the end result, what happens, happens. When he wakes back up and sus- from suspended animation, he does go to visit her. Okay, as does a guy who made himself look like Captain America, <laughs> which I won't get into that. Um, but the point is, is she has a daughter named Sharon. Okay, there's a lot of different roles for Sharon in comic books, but I think we'll talk about the most recent one. Um, she, uh, to be honest, Sharon's been just a little bit of everything, but as of right now, she is an agent of Shield. So let's yes. stick with. Yes. <gasps> But, Never mind. Okay, I'm good. But, Go on. But, <laughs> I'm piecing it together. Most recently, <laughs> she was framed by the Red Skull for having shot Captain America. Yes. Killed dead. That's what she was currently participating in comic books about. So if you remember a few years ago in the big uh, when it hit USA Today and all these other places that Captain America was killed, uh, she was it was Sharon Carter, the daughter of Peggy Carter, who uh, actually pulled the trigger uh, under mind control by the Red Skull. Yes. So. There you go. And she and Captain America are dating in what skeeves me out beyond belief. Yes. Yeah. Dated mm. And the daughter. <laughs> yeah. Well, except that, well, although in the, um, in my favorite universe, 
in in the future universe, uh, Ryan, close your ears. I'm gonna spoil something if you haven't seen New Avengers. Oh, the cartoon. Yes, the next Avengers one. Did you see that yet? I'm gonna yeah. spoil something. Oh, so, yeah. So so Cap has a son in the next Avengers with the Black <laughs> Widow. Yes. Uh oh. Ba 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 bum. So it's gonna yeah. be very interesting the way that the way that the that, that this Earth is gonna be able to take. Yeah, well, well you never know. That might not have been Steve Rogers, Captain America. Just saying, could have been somebody else. Pretty sure was. You don't know. Um, but but so uh, that sets up the like we said we get, we get to the final climax of the movie um, with. Um, with the, with the Red Skull and Captain America fighting, and the Cap Cap wins, of course, and uh, has wait, to. But wait, I want to go back a scene. So so Cap goes and and finds one of the extra pieces of the of the crystal that that the skull had been farming. Takes that, puts it in his pocket, and brings it back and gives it to Howard Stark, and then. Howard Stark investigates. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's actually really funny because he has this awesome reaction. So one of the what it, one of the beautiful things about um the Iron Man movies is the way um he Tony Stark is portrayed because he's doing all these far-fetched things but he never overcomplicates what he's doing. He just does it and he's like always, "Oh wow, that was so cool." And his father does the same thing. So he goes, he sees the little crystal he's talking about, and he goes, he goes, that's interesting, that's interesting, but it's kind of sort of seems harmless. And then he, it's, he takes this electric spark and he touches it to the crystal, and there's this huge explosion. Okay, and he goes, he gets blown across the room, there's glass and concrete everywhere, and he goes, make a note of that, which is exactly what Tony does. <laughs> When he's testing the um, the flight, the flying out in the first part, he gets thrown across the room. He That's goes, right. oh, and he goes, make a note of this, this, and this. He does the exact same thing. So it's it's like father like son. It's like Ryan was saying in the beginning. It was really a well cast role because it re you really believe that this is the father of the of the character that is Iron Man. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think what really uh, we, we, we were talking about it and, and it, going back to the ending of the movie and kind of tying it together, the romance between Cap and Peggy is not it's not like they they kiss in the they don't kiss. They don't go out on a date. They don't you know, there's nothing like that. You know what I mean? Wait, between Rogers and Carter? Yeah, they did share one kiss. It was quick. Uh, you're and right. You're right. Just say very end. Yeah, very good point. But but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's not yeah. it's not a romance that that is you know just out there f throughout yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. It's obvious that they're attracted to each other. That there's something going on there from the first moment that the two of them get together in the car headed to the procedure. But it it it's very understated. Just like uh, I mean, and and to me, just like any movie of that time would have done that romance. Like Bree, Bree, you're you're a TC, a fellow TCM lover. It's just Indeed. like a movie from the '40s would have played that romance. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. They they kept their distance and kept it very. Um, I don't know what's the right word. I don't know. It was almost like a. I don't want to say intelligent romance. It wasn't out there for everyone to see to 
you know, to be obvious to anyone. Although Tommy Lee Jones' character saw it. So. <laughs> yeah, he picks up on it right away, right? And he kind of <laughs> d- diffuses the tension, you know. Yeah, he's naturally observant. So. Uh, I'm not going to kiss you. But that is what, take to me, that's what takes the final scenes of him in the plane talking to her on the radio because he has to crash this plane and that's where why he ends up in the ice um at the very end sorry spoilers folks but i'm assuming most of you will have seen the movie by now considering how much money it's made uh that's what makes that ending so powerful to me is the two of them talking back and forth on the radio and you can hear the 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 love in their voice the the emotion and the fact that they are not saying the things that they want to say. Mm-hmm. You know, they're talking about what they're going to do after he gets away. Both of them understand the fact that he's, you know, assuming that he's going to die in the plane crash. That's kind of where I cried in the theater. Not going to lie. And, and to have that kind of emotion from a superhero movie? That's saying something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. It just that that to me, like I was grinning throughout the entire movie, just like you know, just like oh, this makes me so happy. But I when you too. got to that point, I was like, wow, that's just pitch perfect. Yep, I mean, there's he's like he's like I'm in the middle of nowhere, and they just gloss over the fact, and the whole and the whole conversation just plays out. You know, it was mm-hmm. poignant. Yeah, it really was. Which you don't go into Captain America, the first adventure, uh, the first Avenger, expecting poignancy. No. Right? No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the basic plot. And then, um, of course, the capper to it is, you know, Cap wakes up in the modern day and then Samuel L. Jackson shows up as he does in every Marvel movie and just is cool. No, wait, but no, Cap was, Cap wakes up and then he... And then I don't know someone someone at someone at Shield did not do their research because they played a baseball game that he was actually at. It, it might not have been recorded that he was at it because it was a little unclear as to whether he was I at it. I want to pick the future one. Why not pick one from the year after the plane crash? I mean, that she makes no sense point. to me. She she does have value, but they. Oh, that's, so here's the important thing, right? Uh, he already worked for Shield, right? So let's let's discuss that. Okay, he was what was the SSR, which is the Strategic Scientific Reserve that that ran um, Operation Rebirth. Okay, which is what the program that he that turns him from frail Steve Rogers into into hunky monkey Captain America. Okay. <laughs> All yes. right. This it's the, this is the organization that eventually becomes Shield. That might get oh. hashtagged later, by the way. <laughs> as well it should that's alright I'm good with that so uh, it, you know it's, it's important to note that, that he, he woke up he was a shield agent when he, when he went to when he went to suspended animation and um, he wakes back up and he's still a shield agent so this is nothing's really changed for him they weren't doing anything wrong by what they did they were actually honestly trying to ease him into the fact that he'd been asleep for 70 years Yeah. Um, now in case you're wondering how did he survive, keep in mind the conversation that he has in the bombed-out London pub with Peggy when, in the movie, right? 
which is he says he he's trying to get himself drunk and he goes I can't do it because I I'm unable to physically get drunk at this point. She and they have the whole conversation about his metabolism and mm-hmm. he re, and he regenerates and they actually show the regeneration almost immediately after he um turns into Captain America after the project and he runs after the spy that kills Dr. Erskine is he gets shot in the side and then he kind of he's kind of stinging, and then all of a sudden he he touches it, and you can tell it stopped bleeding because there should be a lot more blood. Okay, right. and it's just he's basically healed at that point, so he has some amount of regeneration. So that combined with the fact that he is Captain America and the regenerative qualities that he has allows him to get frozen and survive suspended animation like that. Okay, again, yeah. also a comic book movie, so it doesn't have yeah, to be I mean, more believable than that. Exactly. The whole thing, and, and you know, we've talked about the, the, the plot, so I mean, I'm just going to start talking about things that I really liked in the movie. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing is, is comic book science 101, right? I mean, like, it's, it's completely implausible if you stop and you start thinking about, you know, like, real-life applications and things. But it is, like, the, the movie itself, to me, is a Captain America World War II comic come to life. It's yes. like if I sat down and said... I want to see. I want to see. You know, a Captain America, and and not one that was done in World War II, right? One that was done in modern times. Looking yep. back on World War II, this is it. It's it's like we. It's like we talked about in in some. You know, it's like you talk about Main Street being the you know the turn of the century town that never was. This is the World yep. War II that never was, that we think it was. It's today. fantastic too. They they um, so. A lot of this comes. I, I if you, um, a, some people may not have seen this movie because it did okay but not great in the box office. Was the film The Watchmen, which is also a comic book based movie. Yep. But um, a lot of the f- uh, cinema, cinematographic stuff that you see in Captain America, okay, come was originally that was the first movie it was put in. Um, the color toning with the filters on the camera, um, combined with what I call postcarding. Okay, which I'll explain in a second. Just makes this movie have such an amazing feel, where you believe that you're not you're not sitting in a movie theater watching a movie. You you could believe that you're sitting in a movie theater watching, um, like people did during World War II, like they show in the movie where they're watching the men march and everything like that. And you believe yeah. that you're watching a war serial almost on on the screen in front of you, except that it's colorized and it's Captain America, but it's it's it has this quality that makes it feel real that I've not really, you watch Superman, you watch Batman and you know what? They're Superman and they're Batman. Okay. Or you wa- even, even watching Thor didn't have this quality. It's, it was just Thor. Okay. But this was so believable in terms of how it looked visually. It was, it was fantastic. Now what, what I mean by postcarding are those points where the, the best memory I have from the movie is um, there's a point where he's where he they go through the fighting montage, okay? And there's this one where he jumps off the top of a tank that blows up behind him, and he's punching down, and he's got the shield on his arm, and the, for a second the frame freezes like that, and then it continues, and you it's almost imperceptible, but they do this a lot throughout that montage, and it's that postcard moment that freezing where you're like, that is so cool because it's like a still from real life. It has this feel yeah. and quality to it that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I agree. A little so bit Brie, matrix as, too. 
Bree, as someone who was not a, uh, a com- comic book reader going into this, I mean, com- uh, Todd and I have talked about like how we how it relates to the comics and that sort of thing. But as somebody who was not a comic reader going in, you know, what 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 did you think of how they they put this together? Yeah, I mean, I did not know anything about Captain America, to be completely honest. I did not know anything about him. Um, I didn't. I did not even realize until I saw the commercials that it took place in that era. Um, so when I went in, I had no idea what to expect, but I absolutely fell in love with it, and I love the character. I love that he started out as as a meek, skinny, frail. What did you What did you call it, Todd? Frail Rogers into a hunky monkey. monkey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think the storyline is great. The character, you know, I've always loved Marvel films and they continue to astound me with each film that they put out. It's incredible. And see, I thought going into when we decided we were going to do this movie, I thought this would be your favorite just because of our late night TCM conversations. I mean, this is, this is right in that ethos, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of spoiling a little bit, and I'm not going to give the grade yet, but um, I think it's probably my second favorite. Thor still, I think, is at the top for me. I enjoyed that okay. so much. Like, I, yeah. Okay, so and Thor and Captain America are standing in front of you. Which do you pick? Oh, really good now. question. <laughs> really now. <laughs> for those of you listening at home, I am pondering this question. <laughs> I'm, um, oh. Todd! <laughs> I don't know, I think I might have to go with Captain America. Well, he is the star-spangled man with a plan. He is, and I like a plan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but the only thing is, your children do not have his likely regenerative features, so... Unlike, unlike, like, Thor, whose daughter, whose children probably would not be able to, would still be immortal. <laughs> good point. Good point. That is a really good point. Okay. <laughs> See. You might. I don't think you're going to be losing either way. That's true. That's. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think this just. Uh, so one thing we didn't touch on is is um, uh, the, the death of of Bucky Barnes because yes. you know if I have to say there's one thing I didn't like in the movie that is the part that I did not care for. I thought. Yeah. Um, I hated that fire-wielding guy. Oh my goodness! I hated him with with like a cause. It was like, really. Um, yeah. So let's. So can I? I want to touch on some other topics before I explain why I had problems with that scene. But do you want to explain what your problems with it were first? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it was a problem with the scene per se. Like. So what we're talking about is there's a scene where um, they go to capture uh, the Red Skull's top scientist, Artem Zola, uh, from a moving train, and Bucky falls off the train and, and dies in the combat. And I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the way he died or you know how or any of that sort of thing. In, in the original comics, it was part there, – there's two things that drive Captain America, and the first is you know his indomitable will. The second is the fact that Bucky died. And the way he died in the comics is Cap and Bucky were trying to stop a plane that was going to bomb New York just like this, mm-hmm. uh, just like in this movie. The difference is this was a much smaller plane, so they were on the outside of the plane. But they were trying to stop the plane, and Bucky fell from the plane to his death. And that is the same plane that blew up 
and trapped Captain America in the ice. So the story ended up the same, but mm-hmm. Bucky sacrificed himself, you know, in in this pursuit, and Cap felt guilt about that, and it kind of drove him for a long period of time. After he walked back up. Exactly. And <laughs> I feel like the way that Bucky died in the movie, although it definitely has an effect on him, is not going to affect him in the future. Oh, according to Todd, you are very wrong. So, look, so let's let's According let's dis- to Todd, you are very, very wrong. Let, let's That's all well, I'm let, saying. No, no, no. I know, I know what the plan is for him in, in the future. I'm saying the way that they did it in the movie sort of undermined that to me. Right. So here's here's where I start to have problems. So first of all, um, there are two characters who are very important to the Captain America mythos that are bad guys that are part of the whole Hydra thing that are completely cut out of the movie. Okay? And while they may not be more important than the Red Skull is in terms of being Captain America's enemy, they are far more important than Arnim Zola <laughs> ever was. Okay, to yeah. the whole thing. Okay, and that's Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. Okay? And Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo, okay? The original, okay? Right. Now, you could probably... Here, here's where I have problems, okay? Is... Is first of all, like I said earlier, it's in comic books. It is not the Red Skull who leads Hydra. It's Baron von Strucker. Right. Okay. And uh, he's a guy who's he's got a gauntlet. Okay, that allows him effective immortality because he can use it to absorb souls in and recharge his own body, making it younger. Okay. That's 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 his gig, and he leads Hydra, and that he leads Hydra through immortality. Okay. Um, and um, the original Baron Zemo, because I suspect that we will see that that if I was to say who the enemy was going to be in the second Captain America, it's probably not going to be the Red Skull who returns. It's probably going to be the original Baron Zemo's son, Helmet Zemo, not Heinrich Zemo. Okay, just right, my right. my. This is just my guess. Um, so. Also, in comic books, it's not the Red Skull who they are pursuing when they when they both get frozen in ice, okay? Um, though originally Bucky does die. We'll, I'll explain how that changes. Um, it's actually Baron Zemo who they're doing because the Red Skull had already been defeated at that point in time. He'd already been buried underneath the castle and exposed to what is known as the dust, which is the stuff that gives him the real Red Skull visage in the future, not having it be a mask. Okay? Yeah. Um, and um, now, whether Strucker's a good enemy, but I think that Zemo is a great enemy, and that's, that's the one that I miss more in the movie because um, it's, it's, it's Zemo who is going to bomb New York in the comic books. It's not... Um, it's not the Red Skull. That was never his plan. Okay, yeah. um, and they do have the the ship that they that um, that they die on originally in the comic books is uh, actually in the movie. It's the one that um, the Red Skull uses to escape the original installation, where he where it's the one seater thing that he gets in. That's the, that's the same ship that they that they fall off of that blows up in comic books because Bucky's trying to disarm the bomb and then it, he messes it up and it blows up. That's how it actually happens in the comic book. Um, takes out Zemo, takes out the bomb, uh, kills himself, and causes Cap to end up frozen in Antarctic ice. Okay, all yes. in one fell swoop. That's how it ends. But it's it, again, it's Zemo that they're pursuing, and I don't know. I, I kind of 
I, I was, I'm still not 100% convinced that I like that Strucker and everybody was kind of combined into the Red Skull character in the movie, because that's what really happened, is they're all combined into the one character. Um, the, yeah. ori- the original uh, Baron Zemo, uh, he, has, he wears a mask because his face is disfigured, okay? Whereas, like I said originally, the original Red Skull's face was not disfigured, okay? It was just a mask. Um, and on and on and on. Um, so, um, here's the thing, right? Is um, the, during the original storyline where Cap wakes up and the Cosmic Cube comes into play and the Red Skull is brought back to life and on and on and on and they fight the Avengers, which is what's going to happen in the Avengers move, movie coming out when, Ryan? Uh, May 4th, 2012. Okay, there okay. we go. Good, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank and, you. Um, You're welcome. I, 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 I'm just worried I'm going to forget that. And <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't, okay, because yeah. it's coming out May 4th, 2012. Yeah. What? That would be May 4th, 2012. Okay, I'll, I'll write that down. What do Please we... do. Okay. Um, so, uh, the Cosmic Cube, there's this whole... There's um, The Red Skull will get his hands on it, and he will try and reshape the universe. That's what happens in... That's not necessarily what's going to happen in the Avengers movie, but that is what happened in comic books. But what happens is that it's stopped by Captain America, who touches it, and nothing happens. Okay, that's the important thing. Although it appears that nothing happens, what actually happens is he rewrites the universe, thus that Bucky didn't die. Okay, right. A- and uh, and that causes him all sorts of grief going up into the fact point when Sharon shoots, shoots him. him. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole wow. it's a whole big it's thing all with connected the deal. together in comic books. I mean, wow. it's, it's, they really worked hard to make the story be coherent in comic books. It's one of the better told stories period in comic book you know, and you and it, worked hard to make my brain hurt Todd because I don't know what you're talking about oh I'm sorry well and, and see that's what I was going to say is is like I get where you're coming from with the Strucker and the Zemo and the and the thing and the cube and the deal but I think for people who don't know that stuff they're not missing it no yeah they, you couldn't you couldn't you could you just couldn't do it I mean it's just there's too there's so much that w- that goes into that that it's difficult to it's difficult to put that together. I mean, Bree, I, I don't know what you thought of Bucky's death in the movie, but like, like I know Todd and I both we we, we thought we saw each other shortly after we saw the movie and and didn't care for it. I mean, I don't know what you thought as somebody who doesn't know all that background if that makes a difference or not. I mean, as I said, not knowing what to expect, I didn't really care for that scene. They almost made his death obvious. Like as soon as you saw him hanging from the train, you knew it was going to come. And it just happened so quickly that there wasn't, I mean, usually in these films they have some sort of a, you know, that, that connection moment where they say, I've, you know, you've been such a good friend to me, or whatever. They have that kind of communication. And I know it wasn't your typical Marvel film anyway, but it just seemed to happen kind of quickly and, and rash, and he fell to his death, they moved on to the next scene. You know, like, yeah. like the way they played it out so quickly, it didn't seem yes. right. I, I would call that cheap. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would, I would go with that. But like, they tried not to be cheap about it, right? You know, they they had the scene with him in the pub of trying to get drunk to remember it. They referenced it in the interrogation of of Arnim Zola and everything. They tried not to make it cheap. No, but no, I but the don't... death itself was. I mean, yeah. not yeah. necessarily everything that surrounded it, but the just right. the moment of the death itself. It was just kind of. Yeah, it was nice that they paid homage to it in the pub, and they definitely, I agree that they should have kept that in any way, which they did, but the death scene should have definitely been different. Yeah, I had feel. they lost that bullet, I think it might have changed. I really think that way that the way that he handled the bullet scene 
that I think that 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 could have changed things. And what do you mean that, by the What do you mean by the bullet well, scene? Okay, they're at the they're in the they're in the car, and they're two they're two. He, Bucky runs out of bullets. Oh, and he throws him his uh, the other the, the, the gun. Bullet. Maybe had the prior guy just hit him. Instead of the way it happened, where it exploded and fallen out, and then he ends up hanging, maybe had that been changed? Oh, is what I'm thinking. I don't know. I mean, I I thought. I mean, I I kind. Of, <laughs> I'm kind of glad he didn't get hit because I tell you, one of the things that drove me up a wall more than anything else in the movie was the weapons that blew people up, in <laughs> like instantly instant disintegration weapons. I yeah. It was well beyond anything Hydra ever had in comic books in this time period, so it was really... I mean, I understood why, right? Because they're, they're supposed to be... Um, they're supposed to be this advanced technology group, and that was what they went ahead and they did, is they found this power source. It's not even clear in the movie that, that the Red Skull even knows what he really has, other than that it's a power source. Right. And all they do with it is they take it and they use it to power things. And they absorb energy out of it to power other things and to make bombs and to make weapons. And that's and I, they were prepared for it. I mean, they had, because there's no way they could have produced that stuff in that short amount of time otherwise if they weren't already prepared to have weapons that fired whatever that stuff was. Yeah, going into this film, you know, not knowing what would happen, um, I also thought that it, to me it seemed a little bit too modern. That, that weapon, and I, I was trying to remember that we're still in this era. We're not in modern times. So that, that right. seemed a little bit out of place, but, I mean, I accepted it and moved on because it was such a fantastic film. The, 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 so the reason why is because there's another group that they left out, <laughs> right, Call, called, uh -oh. called AIM, which is Advanced Idea Mechanics. In comic books, the cube is not actually from Odin. It's actually something that this group AIM makes. And Hydra steals it from AIM, and then the Red Skull steals it from Hydra. That's how it originally goes. Okay, oh, and that's how he gets okay. his hands on it. Um, and uh, but they're not in here. And I'm, you know, it, and it's almost like they were combined with Hydra. Again, just and you know, in thinking of it, every time I say that, I'm starting to think that maybe that's just to simplify the fact that they're going to have five characters be in the next movie, and they have to really trim down all the background. So I, that I, I think it's that's exactly as a group. Yeah. So. That, that really has to be the way they were going with it, so. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to, I think they had to cut a lot of this stuff really down. And I honestly, I think that's what Joss Whedon did, is is come into this movie and say, okay, we gotta, you know, trim the fat and make this stuff relate to the other movies, but still make it a whole movie in and of itself. Because I don't think you had to, I, I, you know, obviously we've all seen the other four films, but I don't think you had to in order to, to understand this one and get it as a complete Actually, movie. Actually, I hadn't. I hadn't seen Iron Man or, or Hulk. Mm. Yeah, that's but right. did this one play for you? Fine. Uh, th Cheryl loved this movie so much that she that she insisted that we go to the theater to see it a second time, So, which we almost really never do. So did I, actually. I took the whole family to see it after we saw it. After my son and I saw it by ourselves, and then we took the whole family to see it. That that was the other thing is, you know, I took my, my, my five-year-old daughter is probably the most skittish child on Earth. Like, we talked about Winnie the Pooh. She's still scared of the Baxen. Okay? Uh, but child. she sat through this and loved it. Which I yeah. thought was remarkable. So, so the Baxen was more scary to her than the Red Skull? Yes. Wow. Wow. 
That's Lorelai's a unique child. <laughs> Unique's a word. Um, <laughs> but but the, but you know, uh, it, I, I, this was a good movie that you can you know that you could take you know not not every child to, but you know know your own child and that sort of thing. But it wasn't a movie like you know uh, Super Eight, for example that I saw earlier this summer, there's no way she would have made it through that. Or there's no, you know, even my yeah. son who's nine would have been terrified by that movie. You know, this is, this is a good, you know, I, I wouldn't say quote unquote family picture, but it's, it's pretty close, you know, as close as summer blockbusters get these days. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's interesting too. So, so in comic books, Zola is not a mechanic or a physicist like he is in this movie. He's a geneticist, right? Right. Um, I won't talk about his big, um, his big genetic experiment because that would be like crazy stuff that I don't want to get. Even I don't want to get into that in this podcast. Um, but but here's wow. the important, here's here's yeah, the important and, thing yeah. um, is is all of Cap's villains of the '40s, okay, all of them end up living until modern times, except for Baron Heinrich Zemo, who is who does die. Okay, but his son be- takes his place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they just, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, that's the thing that I think they've done great with all of the Marvel movies is taking this, you know, decades long continuity of stuff and just paring it down to the core essence of what you would need to know as somebody coming in cold, uh, but yet still managing to build their own little, you know, universe in the in the film world uh i don't think we've ever seen anything like this before and once the avengers opens on may 4th 2012 i'm not entirely certain we'll ever see something like it again (laughs) it's interesting because did you know so by contrast right the the competitor has has now canceled their justice league movie because they're not prepared to do it Mm. Okay, because they realize that they can't do the Justice League unless they build up to it like right. Marvel has for this movie. They realize it will not work right because they have to, they have to build a backstory and have a have a mythos for each character before they introduce them in the, in a main plot in in their own movie because otherwise it will play like just so much 70s junk. Right. <laughs> Cheeky baby that's stuff. Not, that's not going so well for them. No, they're not going to get there. That's what no. it boils down. Even though I heard Green Lantern 2 was green-lighted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. We will be cursed with Green Lantern 2, but that's a whole other story. But right. that's okay uh, because we have May 4th, 2012, when the Avengers is released. Yes, we do. Yeah. So right, I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> done? Wonk it out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to... to so... Um, some things that I just want to discuss. Um, there's, there is so much about the Avengers and Captain America's past built into this movie that they didn't cover, but they paid homage to. Okay, For example, like, like uh, Brie brought up the, the original Human Torch before, which is not the same Human Torch that's in the Fantastic Four. I don't think we said that before, so it just yeah. needs to be made clear. He's actually the Human Torch that was in a superhero group with Captain America called the Invaders. Okay, um, the invaders uh, involve a, a Cap, um, Human Torch, and a character known as the Submariner. Now, originally they were talking that the Submariner was going to make an appearance in this film, but uh, Marvel actually sold the rights to him a while ago. So, and they could not, re- 
when Disney bought them back, they could not buy back the rights to him. So he's one of the characters that they don't currently own the rights to make a, a movie franchise for. So they're not including him in all this stuff. Um, right. So he is actually has no appearance in this movie whatsoever. But what they did do is um, the, uh, the, the military guys in this movie, okay, that hang out with Cap and Bucky, okay, are a group that are – they're not named in the movie, but in comic books they're known as the Howling Commandos, okay? Yeah. Um, and what – and they're – so it's, it's Jim Dugan uh, – no, sorry, Tim Dugan. Sorry, I always say Jim Dugan because I think the wrestler <laughs> – Hacksaw <laughs> Jim Duggan. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, but this is this is Tim Dum Dum Dugan, um, and uh, he, you know uh, he's the guy with the bowler hat and the mustache. And incidentally, the mustache real, not makeup. He grew it for the movie. Wow! Awesome. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's yes, pretty he sweet. did. <laughs> so great. he he went with the role, and that is just awesome. Um, so. Uh, one of the guys who's there was not actually a Howling Commando. Okay, uh, that's the British guy. His his uh, actual name is uh, James Falsworth. Okay, and he was actually a, a guy who was in the second round of the Invaders. Okay, named and he's a British superhero named Union Jack. Okay, so they actually so they actually kind of sort of melded. Uh, they they so they were definitely. Because people had heard early on that the invaders were going to be in the movie, but what they what you got was pieces of them in the movie, not necessarily actually them. And that's what the Howling Commandos really are too. Is they're not they are pieces of them, not necessarily actually what you got in the comic books. Because for example, in comic books, Nick Fury was actually one of the Howling Commandos. Now, but the Nick Fury that we're talking about is the original Nick Fury who was not Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury because if you think back to um, the Iron Man episode, I did mention that Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury was something that was created for the Ultimate Universe, or 1610. (laughs) The the artist there designed him to be Samuel L. Jackson and ever since then, basically Nick Fury has just become Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, it's, it's hard to explain... The Which is awesome. The original mm-hmm. Nick Fury was a guy who fought during World War II with the Howling Commandos. Incidentally, two members of the Howling Commandos that were missing but that we did discuss earlier were Reed Richards and Benjamin Grimm, who were, who were members of the Fantastic Four. Okay, they were actually originally part of Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. Okay. And uh, so, you know, like I said, so that's why I say bits and pieces because they don't have rights to the characters. They can't use them. Um, and they don't even have characters that resemble them, okay? Though there is a little bit of Yancey Street going on in the movie. Did you notice that? With the kids running and playing in the newsstand and stuff like that. That's like yep. that's like Ben Grimm, Yancey Street stuff. Um, which, I'm not going to get into that, but folks, you know what I'm talking about. If you if you know, you know, and if you don't, just go, Yetad sure. Repeat it. Yetad sure. Uh, thank you. That's, a, that's what we've been doing for like the last two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Yetad sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> So uh, there's that. Now here's here's the really cool geeky thing is is how intertwined all this stuff is how how uh, well put together the Avengers is as a superhero team in general is the Human Torch that you see there right like I said earlier he's an android okay um, he will eventually uh, get get buried underground also okay and he will be uncovered by what will become the Avengers' worst enemy which is a robot named Ultron. Okay, won't go there yet. Okay, other than to say him. 
Ultron. That, that's Avengers 2, 2017. Yeah. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> you have to have Ant-Man come in first. Um, yeah. 2017, I'm telling you. Right okay. now. Fair enough. I, uh, and uh, he will recover that body, that android body, and he will turn it into a whole different creature called the Vision. Okay? And the Vision... Uh, it's this is like I said, he's this android. He can move through walls and stuff like that. He becomes an Avenger. He actually becomes one of the most popular Avengers of all time. Actually, I think comic books. He actually had for a long time in the in the eighties. He had a higher popularity rating than people like Thor and stuff yep. like that. Um, and but here's the here's where it gets really weird. So there's this other guy, uh, okay, who was created by Baron Zemo. Okay, uh, a guy named Simon Williams was experimented on by Baron Zemo. He was. Uh, Turned into this guy named Wonder Man, okay? But he was originally thought destroyed so that – and uh, Hank Pym, who created Ultron, um, saved off his memory engrams. And when Ultron found them, he burned them into the Vision robot. So it's kind of sort of all this marriage of characters just cascading through everything. But again, so there's so much that just comes out in terms of geekiness from just the fact that the Human Torch even appeared in this movie in, at not even doing anything for three seconds on film. Well, I geeked out a little bit, and I didn't even know that whole background there that you just explained, so... Yep. There you go. So, um, it's important <laughs> to note that, as, as they said, uh, that shield was... Um, so, in comic books, uh, basically the very first issue of the comic book has Captain with the shield that you see, like he does on that mission, okay? And they're actually paying... When they transit him in the movie to the circular shield, it's because in comic books, by the time issue two came out, he was given the circular shield. And that's what everybody remembers him as having. That's like his icon, his symbol, so it was important that he get that. Uh, the whole vibranium thing is actually, again, ties back into the whole Avengers. Another Avenger named Black Panther, who maybe someday we'll learn about. Um, and... Um, it is, at that point in time, the only sample of vibranium. It's actually a vibranium iron alloy... Okay, so that's why it's that's how they were able to mold it because actual vibranium you wouldn't be able to mold into any sort of shape whatsoever, and that's why Cap is able to throw it and have it rebound off things like it does is because it has that quality of being able to absorb all kinetic energy. Okay, it actually makes an amazing boomerang and on and on and on. So it's 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 his stock of trade, I would say. Yep. Right, that's that's his thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that scene too. It's probably cliche by now, but because they show it in all the commercials for the film, when um, Peggy takes the gun and he has the shield up and she wants to <laughs> test to see if it works, and she fires a few rounds in it. You know, mm -hmm. that is a funny scene. Seeing it in the theater, how yeah. it all plays out. You know, when you see it in the commercial, it's cute, but then when you see it in the film and how it all and works why out, she does it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, which we won't spoil because it's a fun little, fun little, and, cute little. And gag, let but. me just say, this is why I love her character because she doesn't take any, you know, stuff yep, from yeah. anyone. Now, now, Cap has been. Um, parts of Cap have appeared in some of the other movies. For example, you do see um, in both Iron Man movies, you do see Captain America's shield, but it is not this shield because, as we know, he was found frozen with this shield. It's because, um, and I don't know if they'll ever cover it why Howard Stark would have ever had a Captain America shield, but my, in my mind, I kind of sort of envisioned that, that Howard Stark, probably until the day he died, never gave up looking for Captain America. Yeah. I kind of sort of get that opinion. I'm not sure if they're going to cover it at all. And in, um, in comic books, um, they actually uh, 
Colonel Phillips will actually go on to have several other people be Captain America before he dies. So each of the interim Captain Americas was given a replica steel version of the shield. It was never it – w- it couldn't be thrown, but nobody had that kind of skill anyway, and they weren't necessarily super soldiers. The one, of, the one guy they tried to create, uh, he, um, he did go insane, whole, diff- whole other story. Uh, so I have this feeling that Howard Stark was just trying to recreate that experiment of that created the shield originally. Okay, and um, and I have a feeling that's why the whatever that shield was that appears in both the Iron Man movies is there. Also, um, the Incredible Hulk, while leaping around at one point in time, hits a frozen thing, and it's supposed to be Captain America. Okay, so it is entirely possible that. They, remember, they said they couldn't find the, sh- the ship. They had no, it just suddenly appeared in the very beginning yeah. scene, right? It's, it's entirely possible that the Hulk jumping around in the Hulk movie caused the ship to become uncovered, which is kind of mm. sort of what happens in the original comic books. Yeah. So it's. Yeah, and and I also think they they left it intentionally vague as to how much time passed between Cap's original rescue of the soldiers and the Howling Commandos and the final confrontation. Uh, They left that intentionally vague. Um, Joe Johnson even said uh, so that if they want to come back and do more World War II stories in the sequel, they can. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I have a feeling based on his comments that we will be seeing that era again in Captain America 2 based on the box office of this movie. I I also hear that he's, he has um, also requested rights to do uh, a black widow movie and a uh, Winter Soldier movie, which Winter Soldier is what uh, Bucky becomes. Yeah. Okay. He, so he, he's very invested in this universe. Yeah. Dead so. Bucky. Well, Dead Bucky is not dead. Sorry to burst that bubble. The oh, actors, that's exciting! The actors also signed to do up to five or six more movies, according to what I was reading. Yes. That's the universe. By, by the way, did you guys ever watch the show on NBC Kings? No. Or did you hear of yeah. it? I've heard, I heard of, it. of it, yes. Okay, because he was in that show, and so when I saw him in this film, it struck back that memory, because that was a really good show. Unfortunately, it got canceled, but Ian McShane was in it. Ah. Too, who was in Pirates oh, okay. 4, who played Blackbeard, and there you have it. Yeah. Um, there so, yeah, there you go. A, a couple mm-hmm. of more intentional um, things that Joe Johnston threw into the movie to, pay, to play homage to his pre- prior works. Uh, there's two more scenes... That, deal, that have Raiders of the Lost Ark references in them. One is at the very end when the Red Skull is uh, holding the cube. His, the face melt is exactly the same as the face melt from um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just modernized and digitized, but the, the angle at which the face melts away, exactly the same. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, also, the scenes when he's trying to board the plane and he has to duck under the duck under the propeller and then later on when the guy gets splatted by the propeller those are actually also if you remember the big battle the big fight scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the plane spinning around they actually use it at the at the studios for the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. is is that's those were what those scenes were playing homage to there's also a little role reversal um, when Cap goes to stop the New York the New York bomb and he's out on it and he flies it back in Okay. There's this scene where uh, Red Skull is in the in the gunner's chair and he's firing. And if you listen to the noise, the noise as ca- as the New York bomb ship goes past the f- 
past the viewport is the exact same noise as when Luke is shooting his first TIE fighter and the TIE fighter goes by in the Star Wars movie. The noise is exactly Ooh. the same. Star Wars connection! Well, Joe we Johnson in general is a Star Wars connection. We don't have so to go... Samuel L. Jackson. And Samuel L. Jackson. We don't That's have to true. go too crazy. We know these things already. So it's, That's you true. know, there's, there's a lot of Star Wars in this stuff. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's geeky and it's fun and I like it. It's, it, this is an incredibly geeky movie, but it, it works without that stuff, which is the fabulous part of it. By so the way, I, that's Todd's new tagline. It's what? geeky and it's fun and I love it. <laughs> it's geeky and it's fun and I love it. Um, I had one question. So really quickly, how, what do you think happened to the Red Skull? Do you think he actually died or do you think something else happened? Because Cheryl I, and I have a theory. I have a theory. Something. Something else happened. See, so we yeah, think, there's no way he's dead. We think that what he did was he opened up one of the wormholes from Thor and went went to one of the other nine realms. He went to travel to Rainbow Road. Because if you if well, you that's pay, what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. That's why we think that. Yeah, yeah. the 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 design is exactly the same as like if you were looking at the sky in Asgard. Right. That maybe he wasn't really dissolving. Maybe he was being digitized or whatever happens in a worm in that wormhole and being sucked in well there you go yeah so that's what we think maybe that's maybe that's how we get thor back in the avengers movie the opening may 4th 2012 oh maybe maybe since we have the return of thor the cosmic cube back so there you go that captain america folks we missed a scene what scene did we miss the best scene ever so, well, that's not really... So, up until this point, they've been playing... Um, at the end of these movies, they've been playing a scene that leads you to one of the next movies or the future movie. Okay? But this isn't really like that when they show the Avengers bit at the end. This is... They, they, they have Steve Rogers, and, um, you know, he's punching a punching bag. He's got on his SSR shirt. Um, and it, it's hard to tell because he looks like he's wearing the exact same clothes as when he woke up. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. But I don't think I, I don't think it would necessarily be the same day. I just think that that's how Steve Rogers dresses is in a white T-shirt and the pants, and it, it just seems apropos somehow. Because in comic books, remember, the characters seem to always wear the same clothes, whether they're in their secret identity or whether they're in their comic book form. It's always the same two clothes. They only have two pairs of clothes, right? <laughs> Every comic book character, and and so I think that's that's what's really going on there, and. Uh, Nick Fury comes in and says, you know, he goes, you have an assignment for me, sir, you know, and he goes, no, I, I need you to save the world or something like that. And um, after that, it's no longer a scene. It's it's literally a trailer for the Avengers movie, right? Right. Opening it, May 4th, 2012. <laughs> thank you. Because <laughs> it's just, it's just, when? May 4th, 2012. Okay, I'll, I'll get it some point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it, it, it's just this beautiful montage of scenes. You see a scene where Loki is being – he's either pretend – or he's either not really there or he's being marched in by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. That wasn't clear. You see um, Thor winding up to throw his hammer at something. Um, you see them sitting around a table. You see the Avengers symbol. Um, all, all these great things. You see um, Cap sitting up around the table in a uniform – that isn't quite either uniform that he wore in this movie. Did you catch that? Yeah. It doesn't. They redesigned all of the characters uh, for the Avengers movie. Did the they? Okay. They well, that's... have. Yes. They redesigned all the characters for the Avengers movie to make them fit together a little better. Okay. Well, that's really kind of. They really didn't design his costume because they really didn't have much 
costume design because they only showed him for two seconds. Who? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, Shachero's favorite car Avenger is Hawkeye. But yeah, it's a trailer. It's a trailer more than it is a scene. You're right. It's it's just a trailer, and it shows us that Joss Whedon is awesome. Uh, as if we didn't know that. Um, yeah. So just be prepared for me to be gushing for about a month after uh, Avengers comes yeah. out. You think you think oh, I get that now? Just wait for that podcast, folks. Just warning you. Uh. <laughs> Actually, I think Bree and I will do our own, and then we'll let Todd do one. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> the the hey. technical addendum. <laughs> I think yeah. we should see if we can get one of them to guest host on <laughs> our Avengers you. podcast. There you, go. you just keep tweeting Chris Evans. If you can get him on the podcast, it's it's great. Yeah, I'll do it. I like it. Go for it. Speaking, <laughs> spe by the way, uh, before we go into uh, rating this movie, speaking of guest hosting, Bree? Yes, on Tuesday, I will actually be co-hosting the Tierra Talk Show podcast with Tammy, who is Voyage of Ariel on Twitter. And she's going to have Neil McDonough on, who portrayed Dugan in this film, this wonderful film, Captain America. And who also portrayed Wit Bass in Angels in the Outfield, which was another fantastic film, which we will be reviewing shortly. Indeed we will. And she'll be very, joining us for that. She will be joining yes, us for will. that. And I am very, very excited about this. Uh, but by the way, Bree, promise me you'll ask him if he still if he kept the mustache because I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm gonna get to see his face, so hopefully we'll so, so awesome. if everyone wants to find out more about the, uh, her podcast, it's tiaratalkshowpodcast.com. Yes. It's a very entertaining show. We love you, Tammy. Yep. You should all listen. All right. So, Captain America, Todd Perlmutter, go. You're really going to have me go first? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I... I, I think it's fairly evident that I that I love this movie. Uh, this is like, you, you know, uh, growing up, my friend and I always used to say our favorite superhero movie was still to this day the original Superman the movie. Okay, because it was the quintessential uh, movie for superheroes. It told the story beginning to end. It was a complete story. It had him growing into the role and becoming the hero. And and you know what? This completely replaces that movie for me. In, in the wow! Uh, it's it's this. If, if I have never seen a superhero movie that was better than this one. Wow! In my mind, um, it's it's uh, amazing. I just I was floored from beginning to end. It was everything I expected it to be. I mean, despite the fact that I'm upset the characters were left out and there's a lot of, you know, there, there was so much in it for me and yet so much in it for everyone, I think. That's really the truth of the matter. Um, it's, it was just fantastic. And uh, I, it, you know, I, I, if I was to rate it just purely on superhero movies, it would be a five. I mean, I've seen better movies. So I really, w but I, I'm going to rate it as high as I've rated anything else, which is a four point seven five. That's high praise from a man who doesn't give fives. Yep. <laughs> so uh, it's just I, you know, I love it to death. I'll watch it again and again. That's great. Is, Cheryl, are you going to watch it with him again and again? I asked to watch it again with him. I shocked him. I think. I think I shocked my husband. Yeah, I was. I actually, I actually asked, asked, if, Well, we didn't really have any plans, and there weren't all the really good movies, all of the things about blue, 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 fake CGI stuff. So I wasn't really interested in that. <laughs> um, so, um, 
I asked to see this again, and he's like, what? I was like, <laughs> yes! Absolutely! You said to me, what? I'm like, yeah, I really wanted to see it again, so... I'm gonna give this go. I'm gonna give this a five. It's better than my husband. And um, I really and I'm gonna give the extra scene a five and a half. <laughs> Unprecedented, people. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. All right, uh, Bree. I think you have to rate Chris Evans separately from the movie itself. But uh, I will. I will you? do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. The only disappointments in this film for me were again the portrayal of Bucky's death and the lack of pasty white people. Other than that. Yes. I but we're gonna get our fair share in the Avengers, which opens May fourth, twenty twelve. Um sure. but I mean this film was overwhelming. I, I went with my brother yesterday and I just sat in the theater throughout the whole thing, practically with my jaw hanging open at the the just the intensity of the scenes and the way everything was played out, nothing to do with Chris Evans. Just like the acting and the way the plot just rolled out, it was incredible. I am giving this film a five. It was incredible. It is absolutely one of my favorites. As I said, Thor's at the top, not because of the way it was made, because it obviously is not at the top in quality, but as being my favorite, it's number one. And then Captain America is number two. And Chris Evans, I rate a 95 and more. <laughs> Uh, I uh, will will agree with all of you. This is a five. It is not only now uh, my favorite Marvel movie, even though I, I will always hold a warm place in my heart for the original Iron Man film, just because of the the, the, the fact that that proved to the world that this would work. Uh, but but this is this is a five. This is not only my favorite Marvel movie. It is probably on my top five list of movies. Uh, I also, like Cheryl, wanted to go see it again and did uh, on Sunday, and I'm just, like, blown away at how good it is. It ho- it held up the second time through, uh, and, and, you know, just it, it, sitting in the theater just grinning, just watching the movie. Um, I, can't, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Uh, go see it again and again and again, uh, because I want to see Captain America 2. And I want Joe Johnston to make that Winter Soldier movie or his Black Widow movie or any other movie in this universe he wants to make. And I want to make it to Avengers 2. <laughs> in 2017. In 2017. that blue movie and, and, and when, you, when, when, when it comes around Redbox. Yeah, now, now, I, now, granted, though, um, Robert Downey Jr. is still the best casting out of all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you, 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 I, I agree with that. But I have to say, they're spot on with all three of them. They, they are spot on with all three of them, but I, mm-hmm. I think that the person born for the role was definitely still oh, yeah. to, this, to this day Robert definitely. Downey Jr. I mean, he, was, he was meant to play that role, whereas the <laughs> other ones are just awesome picks. Yes. Right. You know? I agree. Yeah. Uh, so that'll do it. Uh, that's our thoughts on Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, we welcome your thoughts. Leave your comments on uh, the show notes on DisneyFilmProject.com. Uh, you can uh, leave us a message on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Disney Film Project. You can uh, tweet us what you thought of the movie at Diz Film Project when, the, when this show comes out. So just let us know. Let us know what you thought of the movie, of our review of it, of uh, everything that we had to say about it. So uh, keep in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you guys as to what you're, what you're thinking and what your thoughts are on the movies that we talk about. So uh, until next week, you can stay in touch with us in all of those ways. You can also uh, 
see the blogging of Mr. Perlmutter and myself at touringplans.com or uh, my blogging, his technical expertise at disneydrivenlife.com. You can keep up with Bree, Adventures of Bree, at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. Uh, or you can just find us all on Twitter. Um, we're, we're, we're all there uh, a lot of the time. So you can do that as well. Uh, and uh, you can you can just listen to the show. Leave us a review on iTunes. We haven't asked for that in a while. So tell 742 people that you know about the program and uh, ask them to go leave a review in iTunes as well. Um, that helps people find the show. So when they go search Disney in the iTunes store, uh, it might come, might come to us uh, instead of the 700th pick. It will come up you know, in the top 10 or something like that. So. Steal our phone, put Stitcher on, and then put our podcast on. There you yes, go. Please. Don't, right, and, and visit us everywhere. Like us, love us, rank us up, Google wait, Plus One us, we, we, the whole nine yards. We were recommended by Lou Mangiello. That's right. Yes, yes. you are. Thank you, Lou. We really His appreciate it. His birthday is this week, but probably won't be by the time the show comes okay. by. Happy belated birthday, That's Lou. That's okay. <laughs> Happy birthday to Lou, and thank you for listening to the, to the show. We appreciate yes. it. Thank you, Lou. Uh, all right, so that is going to do it. Uh, until next week, folks, uh, stay strong. See ya. Go, go forth and be merry. Hasta la bye-bye. Where's my bow and arrow?